Isn't he great and greatly to be praised? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Read in verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came, sat down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. And I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Aren't you thankful that he came to meet you where you are at? That Jesus wasn't too good for us, that he met us while we are sinners and, and, and sick and in need. Amen. And that's what it's all about. It's not about us. It's about reaching others. Amen. Turn to a few people and greet them in the name of the Lord tonight. You may be seated. We began uh, this series talking about uh, the, the, the word stranger and uh, how we view that word, uh, but then also we've dived into what the word of God, how that views it or defines it, um, and it, as it turns out, uh, the people of God, uh, we're, we're, we're more strangers than we probably realized, uh, leading all the way back to the beginning and uh, and Noah and going all down the line, Abram was a stranger, and his, uh, his descendants, they were given the land, but they became strangers in a foreign land, and they came back and inherited the promise of the land. Um, and, and then we talked about how uh, uh, Israel was judged for many, many things. They had a long list of, of, of judgment uh, against them. Uh, and in the middle of all of those accusations and uh, faults, uh, there was the verse where uh, they did not treat the strangers uh, politely. Uh, they, were, they were mean and offensive to the strangers. And so obviously, uh, being a stranger, uh, it gets God's attention. Um, and so we, we don't want there to be strangers among us. We want to greet them and welcome them because solely because we were once uh, strangers. As Israel was told to uh, welcome the strangers and be nice to them simply because they were strangers as well. And so uh, we ended the, the lesson last week talking about uh, each other here as the body of Christ. And even though we, we, we know each other, um, how well do we know one another was, was really the question that was posed. I mean, we worship one, with, with God, one another with God here, and, and we see faces and shake our hands, and we know everybody here. Uh, but how much more than that do we really know? 
Uh, and so I asked us over the next few weeks if we would just uh, reach out to people that maybe we don't really uh, reach out to. And, and let's make less strangers among us because we are the body of Christ, right? And if, and if we are going to be in eternity in heaven with each other, uh, we're, we, we're not going to be strangers up there. And so uh, it's more than just uh, assembling and, and worship together for a few hours, but it's getting to know one another on a deeper level. And, 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 and that entails maybe inviting somebody out to eat or, or, or doing something with them that we normally wouldn't do, expanding our circle if you will, uh, and uh, because we're all in this together, right? If times are going to get hard on the church, hey, we're, we're, we're all each other has, right? Uh, and so uh, we, want, we don't want there to be strangers among us, especially in the body of Christ. Uh, we are uh, the family uh, of God and the church of God. And, and so uh, with that, uh, moving on tonight, the uh, the Greek word for church is called uh, ekklesia, and uh, this means uh, an assembly of uh, free citizens. Uh, this is a more of a, a standard definition, not necessarily a biblical definition, but uh, ekklesia is an assembly of a free citizens who are called out of their homes uh, or places of business to assemble together. Uh, to give consideration to matters of public interest. And so um, they, are, they are called out from their homes or wherever they were into a focal gathering point where they would meet for one purpose uh, and one mind and one accord, if you will. That's really a, a definition of ecclesia. And so the church is not just called out uh, from where we are or where we used to be. But we are called to assemble together for a purpose, for a, a reason. And uh, ecclesia, church, the word church is used in the New Testament 114 times. And 110 of these times speaks of the church, and specifically the church. And so the church is a free citizens, is the free citizens of the heavenly community summoned together by the gospel from their uh, perspective places in the world all to assemble together to hear from God. That's really what uh, the church is as a, a, a definition of living organism. We, we're, we're called out from wherever we are all across the world, come to meet together and to hear from God. That's, that's really what ecclesia is. And so we are not just a select few or those who are picked out, but uh, the church is not exclusive to only a select few, but it is inclusive to whosoever wants to come in those doors is welcome to come in. Whoever wants to repent of their sins and get baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, the invitation goes out to all because God does not want any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so the doors of God's church is open to everybody, and there should not be uh, strangers among uh, us inside the church. And we welcome welcome anybody in the church uh, who wants to, um, and so it is an invitation, it is not a, a drag them by the hand um, and by the feet, have them come in kicking, uh, but uh, whosoever wants to come in, there's a seat always in the house of God for uh, those strangers who become uh, transformed into the, the family of God. It's quite the uh, transition that takes place in our lives as we are uh, 
uh, evidence of that happening. And so we are, we are inclusive to everybody, who, whosoever will. And so uh, it goes out, the call goes out to everybody to come and bear their own responsibilities uh, according to the word of God. And we are called out of every kindred, every tribe, and every nation, called out of darkness and into his marvelous light and be coming uh, to this focal point, this meeting place as the church. Ephesians 2 and 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And so I'm thankful to be a part of the household of God. However, the word church really kind of has lost most of its original meaning today. Uh, the church is definitely not just a, a material building where we can easily get uh, caught off by that definition. It's, it's because this is where our focal point is. This is our meeting place is here. Uh, and so we can easily identify this uh, building as the church, and we call it the church, and we call it the house of God and all those things. Uh, uh, but it's more than just a material building. In fact, the word is, is never used in the scripture to refer to as a material building. Uh, that was referred to as the temple. That's obviously a, a more of a, a building. Uh, but the church was not really referred to as uh, a physical structure. The language used of the church uh, really can't even be applied to a building uh, because uh the, the scriptures talk, when it uses church, it says the Lord added to the church. And so obviously the Lord can build on the building if he wants, uh, save us a lot of money, just snap his fingers, and he can add on to the church, right? So we're okay with that. Uh, the Bible says that Herod vexed the church. Now, if they want to come and attack the building as much as they want, that's fine. Don't attack us, right? Uh, so Herod vexed the church. Uh, the church was persecuted. Uh, you can attack the building if you want. Uh, Paul saluted the church. Uh, so if you want to salute the building, you can do that. Uh, the churches had rest. Uh, I think the building rests all the time. Uh, and so obviously uh, when referenced in the New Testament using the word church, it, it doesn't mean a, a physical building. It, it means more of a uh, body of people, a body of believers. And so... Only in the traditions of men can people go to church. Jesus did not mean church buildings when he said, I will build my church. Uh, he meant uh, individuals, the, the body of believers that we make up the church. And so uh, what is the church? The church is God's family. And today it exists on earth, but someday it will, it will exist in heaven forever and the greatest privilege that we could ever have is to belong to the family of God. 1 John 3 and 1, Behold, what manner of love that the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And so the Bible really is the story of God building a family, building a, a, a body of believers, a building a, a bride who will love him and honor him and reign with him forever. God, he doesn't, need, he doesn't need this. He doesn't need a family. But God, he desires to have one, uh, desires to be in fellowship with his creation. 
uh, because God is love, and, and he loves his creation. I'm thankful that he loves us, and it is an unconditional love that, no, we cannot go too far from the love of God where he will not reach us and bring us back. And so he treasures his relationships and with his children, with his family, um, and uh, if we are truly his children, then we will also treasure that relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so every human being was created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. Uh, we know that uh, being strangers of God and foreigners and uh, those sinners, uh, those uh, separates us from God. And so we are all made by God, but not everyone is called a child of God according to the word of God. And so the only way to get into the, the family of God is to be born in it. You become a part of your human family by being born into it. And so the same thing with the church, the family of God. The only way to be a part of, the, uh, of God's church, his family, is you got to be born into that as well. And you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Because if you're not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Uh, and so in reality, um, our spiritual family is even more important than our physical family because uh, it's such a deeper meaning and a, a deeper relationship uh, it, because it extends far beyond this world and the natural possibilities in it. And so um, uh, our, our physical family, obviously, um, but our uh, spiritual family is going to last forever. Whether we realize it or not, we're going to be with each other for all of eternity. So we got to get to liking one another, right? Uh, and so if we can't get along down here, it's going to be weird up there, right? Uh, and so this family here, we're going to be a family together forever. And so we gotta, we got to like one another. Uh, and so there can't be any strangers among us, right? Because there's no locks in heaven. Our doors are all open, right? And so we got to trust one another, right? Uh, and so uh, the moment that we are born into God's family, we are given some uh, amazing birthday gifts, if you will. Uh, we are given a family name. We are given a family likeness, uh, privileges, and an inheritance. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God hath sent forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son than an heir of God through Christ. And so now, because of we are born again uh, into the family of God, everything changes about our who we are, about the, uh, our family name and history, and all. none of that matters anymore because we take on the greatest name uh, that is ever given among men, uh, and that is the name of Jesus. And, and so we're, we're all in this together now. And the Bible knows nothing of Lone Ranger Christians, um, solitary saints, or spiritual hermits, or whatever they we want to call them that are that are isolated from other believers. And said instead, the Bible says that we are put together. It says we are joined together, built together, that we are members together, or heirs together. We're fitted together, we're held together, and at the rapture we'll be caught up together. 
So nowhere in all of these terminology does it talk about, oh, you can just go off and be by yourself. The Bible doesn't talk about that when he's talking about the church because we're all in this together, uh, built together, jointly fit together as the body of Christ. And over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or each other is used. We are commanded by the word of God to love one another, Pray for one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another. And this can't be done if you're, you're a, a lonely Christian by yourself and say, oh, I just watched it online. I'm going to be okay. How, how, do you, how can you greet one another and serve one another and teach one another if you're just all by yourself? Uh, and so that concept, this, this new age concept that we're in with technology that provides this avenue uh, doesn't fit into the biblical standard of, uh, of the church body. And so we are to accept one another and honor one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, be devoted to one another, bear burdens for one another, and many other tasks uh, that has nothing to do with us but uh, somebody else in the church, in the body. And so these are our family responsibilities, our family chores, if you will. We all have chores as part of the family, right? Uh, and so uh, these are what we do for one another that God expects us to fulfill in our life as a Christian and as a, a part of the household of God. And in nowhere does it say that it's all about me, that it's all about my needs, or it's all about what I can get out of this, or, or where are my benefits for my membership as part of this Christian club. And so the word membership really kind of has a, a Christian uh, beginning and meaning, uh, but it, it, the world has emptied it of its original meaning. Today, uh, membership is often reduced down to simply adding your name to a role uh, and no requirements or expectations are asked of you, and you're a member. I mean, I... Uh, you know, there's people out there who say they're members of this church, and they, I don't know if I've ever met them before. But hey, they, I, that's the church. That's my church. That's my pastor. Oh, hey, what's your name? Fill out a guest card for me, right? I mean, people love throwing around that that name, that member. I'm a member somewhere, right? Because you, they they want that belonging, but that belonging entails responsibility on our part to be a, to be a part of the club, right? If you whatever, be a part of the church, and so. The Apostle Paul, being a member of the church, meant being a vital organ of a living organism. Uh, Romans 12 and 4, for we, uh, for as we have many members in one body, and all members not have the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. And he even references this in 1 Corinthians, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one, one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now we are the body of Christ and members in particular. Uh, and so nowhere in it does it say you can just be a part of it and not have anything to do with anybody else. And so we need to recover and practice what the, the biblical meaning of membership is, and, and that means we're here to serve one another. We're here to work together for one another. And as much as uh, 
people want to withdraw and say, oh, I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't want to be a part of that, but I want to still be connected. You can't just remove your, your, your liver and just hold it out and say, my liver is going to be over here uh, while everybody else is doing things over here. Something's not going to survive. And the liver's not, and obviously the body won't without that. But, um, but you get the point that uh, we are all members of the body, and so we cannot be separate from one another. We can't be strangers from with one another, right? Uh, because as much as you don't like your 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 pinky toe, uh, you stub that toe, the whole body feels the pain, and that's what Paul tells us, likens us to. When one when one one member suffers, all the body suffers, and when one is honored, we all rejoice in it. So it does that that only happens when there's no strangers among us, and when we're all connected, and we all understand who we are, uh, that we are the the family of God, and and we're in this together. Um, and so um, that is why the first symptom of spiritual decline is usually inconsistent attendance at church. You start missing services and missing services, uh, you, you, you become more and more disconnected. Uh, whether people realize it or not, most poppy people probably don't realize it, and then uh, they're, they're so much further away from the body uh, because uh, you're not there to connect with the body as as we are designed to do. I mean, this is not our our blueprints. This is not our program. This is what God has designed. Uh, and so, in order to survive and make it to the end, we gotta align ourselves with the Word of God, and that means we gotta be connected with one another to survive. Um, and so, uh, the church uh, is God's plan for this world. And we know that the, the church is indestructible and is going to exist for all of eternity. The church cannot be killed or destroyed or, or taken out or removed from this world. Uh, it's going to outlive this world. Uh, it's going to outlive the universe. And so will our role in it. And so we have, um, we are part of a greater purpose and a greater calling. And so the person who says, I don't need the church, uh, doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, the church is so significant and so important that Jesus died for the church. He shed his blood for the church. He purchased the church with his blood. And so you cannot say, well, I don't need the church. Well, then you're not saying you don't need Jesus. Because uh, if Jesus died for the church, that means it's pretty important to be a part of and to understand what it is. And so the Bible calls the, the church the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. And so whenever we complain about the church, what are we saying to God? We don't like his body. We don't like his bride. Uh, and, and so God commands us to love the church as much as Jesus uh, does, and he gave his life for the church. First uh, John 3.16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. That's how connected we should be to one another. Uh, uh, strangers would rarely die for one another. Brethren should die, would be willing to die for friends and family, die for one another, lay down our lives for one another. Uh, and so as Jesus laid down his life for us, we ought to be able to, to put aside our wants and our needs and say, it's not about me. 
It's not about me. It's about others. It's about the body's needs. It's about how I can, how I can add, uh, add something to the body of Christ. Not what I can get out of it or not what I can withdraw from the church, but what can I put in? And how can God use me to help benefit and be a blessing to somebody else? How can I minister to somebody else? Uh, and if we come to, to church with that mentality, how can I reach somebody else? Or uh, I hope God uses me to minister to somebody else. You never know what can happen in this place uh, when we come uh, with a spirit of expectation of what God's going to do in us and through us, not for our needs. Even though we have needs, if we are focusing on the needs of others, uh, I strongly believe that our needs will be met somehow in the midst of it, right? If we're worrying and praying for and ministering to somebody else, God will speak to somebody and they'll come minister to us, right? And then our needs will be met. Uh, and so it's not about us, it's about the body, the church, um, and we need to uh, be together as one. And, and so uh, God has designed his church so that we need one another to thrive and to live and to survive in this world. And just as the members of a physical body cannot function independently, we can't, uh, as the members of the body, we cannot uh, survive one, uh, independently as well. We need one another. Even the animal kingdom has a need for being together. Um, every year, geese gather before the onset of winter to head south. And they, the scientists have discovered that the, the V formation, the flying V, uh, which the geese uh, assemble in that formation... When they fly like that, it creates an uplift that uh, you, one goose cannot do that by themselves, but it takes a, a body or a, a, an assembling together and everyone in their rightful place and they create that V and it creates an uplift where everyone is carried up and lifted up together. And so uh, uh, the whole flock come, becomes as one great body and they say it adds about 71% greater flying range where they fly together like that. As opposed to flying individually, it's going to take you three times longer to get there. Uh, but if we all work together and fly together, uh, we, we, we get further together quicker, right? Uh, and so this may be why God spoke uh, of the church as a body in order to survive and thrive in this world. The individual members, we must work together uh, for the greater good. And so one member is dependent upon another, and one part is vital for the existence of another part, and we all work together. And so if I'm connected to the body, my needs will get met automatically because a healthy body will work to heal itself. If you cut yourself, uh, uh, you don't have to worry about, is this, is this cut going to get healed? You, we know that the body will heal that heal that wound. Uh, and so sh it should be the same with the church, uh, the church body. Uh, if we are hurting, uh, we got to trust in God and trust in the body that the body knows and will come together and help meet that need and, and the healing will take place. But if we are not connected, uh, things that we're just kind of on our own, aren't we? Hebrews 10 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How, how many years have we heard this verse 
uh, talking about uh, as we see the day approaching, the more we should be getting together. And, and it's been years and years, and we're still here, uh, and we're still preaching. And, hey, uh, Jesus is coming a lot sooner than we think, and, and it, it could be today, it could be tomorrow. Uh, and so we don't need to be isolating ourselves from the body, but we need to stay connected more than ever. Satan loves detached believers. He loves believers that are unplugged from the body, uh, that are isolated from God's family and are unaccountable to spiritual leaders because they're just never around uh, because he knows that they are defenseless and powerless against him when you're all by yourself as if, as if instead you are submitted to the body, you have the whole body to fight with you and to fight for you. And so that is why uh, we cannot just be a, a church attender, but we got to be uh, a, a one that is committed and actively uh, uh, participating in the body of Christ. Um, the difference between being a church attender and being a church member is, is can be summed up in one word, in commitment. Uh, people that attend uh, just come and go, but people that are, hey, we're members, hey, let's, let's get involved, let's help become, let's help this church become better than what it was, and whatever I can do uh, to, be, to do that, I'm going to do that. And so um, we're, we're here to, to help grow the church, and we're not here for our own needs, but we're here for the body and the church of the living God. And so that God has blessed us so much that we want to be a blessing to somebody else. Because we know as soon as we let go of the blessing and give it to somebody else, God will refill that in our lives. Uh, and the longer we hold on to things, the, the more decay that happens. And so uh, the, the local church is so important to God because it proves that we are committed to his family in reality and not just in theory. So many people claim to be Christians and, and be a living for God, be a part of the family of God. Well, uh, that's easy to say. Everybody says they're a Christian, right? But the way they really tell that is just go to the local church and see who shows up, which Christians actually show up and who, who participate and who are there to give and support. And, I mean, that's where the real church is, right? The real body is those that are showing up and being uh, and participating and, and, and helping minister to one another because it's not about me. It's about the church. And so God wants us to love real people. Uh, not ideal people. And so we are called to love imperfect people, just like God loves us. We're imperfect. I'm thankful for his love, and so we should show that love to others. I mean, we can't be, we can't be stingy with our love because God is not stingy with his love. And as soon, as soon as we are stingy with that, maybe God will become stingy with his. If we don't forgive somebody, God says, okay, then I won't forgive. Uh, and so... Um, God loves you and I just as much as he loves the sinner out there because we were once sinners, right? That's why we should welcome the strangers because we were once strangers as well. Uh, and so God's love doesn't change depending on where we are in life because he died for everybody. But when you begin to draw closer to him and, and to build upon that relationship, you get to understand that, hey, there's something more here. And there's more, there's more available than what I thought. And I want more of God. And I want more of the church. And I, I need more of his spirit and, and more of his anointing and, and more of this in my life and, and more blessing and, and more love in my life because uh, without that, we would not be here. 
And so the best way that we can show others that we are a member of the body of Christ is really to love one another. John 13 says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And so uh, you don't need to talk about how much you love one another. Oh, you can show your love one for another. And that's how the world's going to know that we are disciples, that we are Christians, not by how we look or how we dress. Uh, that adds to it, but how we love one another. And so the, the, that's the way people will tell that you are really a disciple is that uh, you will love yourself, is that you'll love yourself, is that you'll, you will make it, you will not make it all about you, but that you will love your neighbor as yourself. And so we are a disciple when we love others, when we make it about others, and when it's not about me and mine, but it's about thee and thine. And as we put others first, we submit, uh, be a servant to everybody. Um, uh, that that's selflessness, and then we don't have to worry about our needs because our needs will be met because we are worrying about others, and God will make sure everything is worked out. In, in Matthew 9 and 10, our text, it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and the, his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, uh, these were the uh, pro- pro- proclaimed Christians, they're the ones out there bragging, saying that I'm a Christian and all this stuff. Uh, and they said unto his disciples, why eateth uh, your master with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that be whole uh, need not a physician, but they uh, that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. What an insult to them, right? I mean, what, Jesus didn't play with these, the religious folk. Uh, who, it's all about the religion and the, the appearance of it all, but really on the inside are just dirty and filthy. Uh, he didn't have any time for them uh, because how can you save somebody who thinks they're saved? How can you reach somebody who doesn't think that they're a sinner and that don't need to repent and, and don't need to do this and that? And so uh, he, he, Jesus had no patience for them because he knew that they had no time for Jesus. Uh, He says, go and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus shocked the church people this day. Uh, Obviously, technically the church hadn't begun yet, but uh, the religious saints, the Pharisees and the high priests, he really shocked them this day uh, because he was hanging out with sinners. He was eating with them and fellowshipping with them, and, and that was, you shouldn't really do that, uh, according to these religious experts. And the Pharisees, who thought it was all about them, said, why is Jesus eating with sinners and publicans? And Jesus said, I'm not building the church just for you to have your holy huddle uh, but I am building the church so that sinners are going to have a place to go to because we all need a place to go. We all need to go to that altar and cry out to God and say, oh, God, forgive me, Lord, of my sins, of my wrongdoings. Jesus is building the church for the sinner, and thank God he built it for us because I needed a place to go uh, because I was a sinner lost in my own ways in this dark world and thankfully I had a place to go to. 
that he didn't come to call the righteous, but he came to call the sinners to repentance. And that probably uh, uh, naturally happens in the church, that if we show up every week and we give of ourselves, our time and our energy and our efforts to the church, uh, what can happen is we can slowly start to think that it's about me. Oh, I did this and I did that. How come this ain't happened to me and what this and this and this? And that's what happens when we think it's about us. That it's about me and my needs. And uh, that's how the Pharisees thought. I can't believe he's eating with sinners. Yeah, we, we don't eat with sinners. Why are you eating with sinners? And so, uh, and when we start to think that the mission of the church is about us and about our needs, that the mission of the church is to babysit us until Jesus comes back, that's when problems really start. And oftentimes people will get bitter at, at, at me or the pastor or the minister or, or, or something. They just need a reason to leave, right? Like we're holding them here. Uh, and so if, if, it's, if it's all about us and if the church is all about me and my needs, uh, pretty soon they'll find out that it's not about you and your needs. And that's where the, the re reality sets in. That's where the real decision has to come down. Are we going to be here to, 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 to serve one another or are we here to serve our own needs, right? Uh, and so uh, when we start to think about that, that's when the issues happen. We're not focused on the mission of the church is to go into the world and to make disciples uh, when we don't think about reaching the lost or reaching the strangers or, or, or going across the aisle and meeting and greeting uh, a, a, an unfamiliar face. Uh, that's what we're called to do, called to reach the lost and the, to reach the strangers because we were once lost and we were once a stranger. Uh, when we don't think about... Uh, 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 reaching the lost, when we think about coming and sitting and we think about it's all about me, uh, that's when we start to look at one another and we start comparing ourselves with one another, right? Uh, because our, our, our mindset is not where it needs to be. It's not about each other. Uh, it's not about uh, us. It's about winning the lost and it's about uh, helping the church become uh, the best that it can be. Uh, and so... Uh, then we start to think about ourselves more highly than we ought to think of ourselves, uh, that I do more than that person or uh, my ministry does more than that or, or who knows whatever people, crazy, uh, crazy thoughts people have. Um, or I can't believe they sat in my seat or they parked in my parking spot. Uh, that's, when we're, that's when we're thinking this is about me, Right. Uh, if our mindset is reaching a loss, we don't care who parks in our spot as long as somebody new shows up, right? Hey, they can have my spot, right? Because it's not about me. It's about the, the strangers. It's about reaching the sinners and about reaching the loss. And so if our mindset is on reaching the loss and making disciples, then we're not going to care what other people are doing because we're all in this together, right? When one member, when one member is honored, we all rejoice with them, right? Uh, and so we'll be, we'll be happy that a sinner is sitting in our seat and, and takes our spot and, uh, because it's not about me, it's about the church and it's about others. And it's about making less strangers among us. Musicians, if you would come. Matthew 18 and 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom? There you go, that's a wrong question, right? These guys were thinking, it's about us, it's about me. Uh, who is the greatest in the kingdom? 
Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as, a little, as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever thou shalt humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom. I can tell you that the disciples were shocked by that answer. It's not, not what they are thinking. I got to be like a kid? What are you talking about? It's about me, Jesus. Which one of us is going to be the greatest? Uh, as if the greatest is right there in, in the midst of them, and they're, they're fighting over second place. Uh, and so that's when it's not about Jesus. It's about our, our needs, right? And so uh, if you want to ar- fight and argue who is the greatest and you are admitting that you think it's all about you and you think that you're admitting that you don't care about uh, others uh, or the, the, mer- the mission or the purpose of the church is, is to help uh, others uh, get them to Jesus. Uh, in verse 10, he says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do al- always behold thy face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is, is come to save that which was lost. Uh, how think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountain, and seeketh that which have gone astray? And if so be uh, that he find it, verily I say unto you, that he rejoiceth more over that sheep than all the ninety nine which went not astray. And even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And so... If we are part of the 90 and 9 that are here uh, safely in the sheepfold, uh, uh, spending time with the shepherd, are we going to get upset or get a bad attitude if if God gets more excited about finding a lost sheep than he does about us? Uh, I know know we want, you know, uh, to receive uh, glory and honor for showing up and getting perfect attendance and all these things, but... uh, we're part of the 99, right? We're the faithful. We're the, we're the, we're the, we're the church here. Uh, and so we should be rejoicing just as much, if not more, for that one lost sheep that finds his way here. Why? Because we used to be that one sheep, right? That was once us. We were a stranger. We were a foreigner. We were uh, a sinner. Uh, and thankfully, somebody came out and, and got a hold of us and, and, and got us to uh, the safe pasture uh, and so, again, the 99, while we're here, uh, we don't need to focus and think it's about us, but it's still about that lost one that God is still trying to reach, right? Uh, the Bible says uh, uh, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. doesn't say about uh, uh, there's joy in heaven over um, a faithful saint who comes to the altar every week and, and worships God. doesn't talk about that, does it? Are we going to get upset because it mentions us in the Bible? Uh, or that God is more happy uh, when a sinner comes in and repents than us uh, being faithful? I know we are called to be faithful, but again, uh, it's not about us, right? We're, here, we're just happy to be here, and anything we can do to help it help the church family be stronger, we need to be willing to step up and say, hey, I'm going to do that. I, I'm, I'm going to give. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up my time, my energy, my, my money, whatever it is that the church needs. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about reaching somebody else. Will you stand with me tonight? Luke 15 and 7, as I reference, as I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth 
more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. And, and if we do, uh, then we think that this is all about us and that all of God's attention should be focused on us, which at, at one point it, it was getting us in here and getting us saved. But now uh, we are no longer strangers or foreigners. Now we are fellow citizens of the household of God. I mean, we're, uh, our relationship, our status has changed. We're, we're no longer strangers, but now we're, ch we're children of God. I mean, we, we have an inheritance. We have rights. We have power. Uh, and we are to be uh, mature in the body that God doesn't have to worry about us and worry about our feelings getting hurt and, and on all these things. Why? Because we're mature in Christ and we know what the mission is and the purpose is, and that is to reach the strangers, to reach the lost, and, and to find those lost sheep and, and to get them home and, and to rejoice when they come back home. And, and God's going to reward us for our faithfulness. We don't have to worry about that because uh, that's all he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? That's, that's what we should be looking forward to hearing, right? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, uh, and we know that as part of the body, our needs are going to be met if we put God's kingdom first. 1 Corinthians 9 says, For though I be free from all men, Yet I have made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Paul's saying, hey, I, I'm going to do whatever I can to reach somebody. I don't, I'm a free man. I don't have to do any of this stuff. I have liberties in Christ. And uh, as a Roman citizen, he was not a slave either. So he was a, a free, natural-born man and spiritually free. Uh, but he says, I'm going to be a servant to whoever I need to be a servant. Because it's not about me. And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, uh, that I might gain them that are, are without the law. That He's going to reach the sinners, the lost ones. Uh, he does whatever he can, but he still, he says, I, it's not that I can do whatever I want to reach a sinner because I'm still under the law of God. I still have a, a duty to uphold my covenant and commandments of God. And so, uh, you know, the whole argument going to the bar to reach a sinner, that's, that's not going to work. Uh, uh, and so you got to be wise about it. Uh, but we are here to, to reach those, uh, those strangers. To the weak I become as weak that I might gain the weak. Why would you purposely want to be, become weak when you're not weak? Well, so I can help minister to somebody. Why? It's, even though I have strength and I have, uh, I'm okay personally, physically, or uh, I'm going to do what I can to reach that person who is hurting, um, that I might gain the weak. I, I am made all things to all men that I may, might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. And so he's doing it all for the gospel. It's not about me. It's not about my needs. But I know that if I put 
uh, the church first, uh, if I put others' needs first, that God is going to make sure my needs are met. And we're all in this together. And so uh, there shouldn't be strangers among us. And so that's why we're, we want to get to know one another on a deeper level besides just a handshake and a smile because, hey, uh, someone, there, there could be a member here hurting and, and just waiting for somebody needing to, to minister to their need or just speak to them a, a words of encouragement. But uh, if we don't know one another that well, then we can easily miss out on each other, right? Uh, I'm thankful to be a part of the, the household and the family of God, and I'm thankful for His grace and His love that He showed me, and so it is all, it is for the gospel's sake that we should do that to others, right? To one another here, and to all those that are out there that are lost, uh, because we were once strangers, and we were once lost, but thanks be to God that He brought us here. He led us here to a place where we can cry out for forgiveness, and we are changed, and no longer strangers, but now we are so uh, sons and daughters of God. Amen. As we uh, close out this service tonight, why don't we just close our eyes and, and just think about the goodness of God and what he's done for us and help us to reach out to others, that we can save some, to, to reach out to the weak, to, to become weak so that we can reach them. However we can do to be a help to the kingdom, help us to do that, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for you've done what you've done, Jesus. It's not about me or my needs or wants, but how can I be a blessing to somebody else? How can I put their needs before my needs? Hallelujah, that there be no strangers among us. It's not about me, Lord. Us to be like you. Wanna be more like you. To love like you love. Jesus, to love one another. Be more like Less of us and more of you, Jesus. I want to be a vessel you work through. I want to be Hallelujah. Amen. If we are all 
trying to be like Jesus, then we're not trying to be like ourselves, right? Ourselves, we're the problem, right? Jesus is not the problem. If we're all trying to be like him, everything's going to come together, and there's not going to be any issues, right? Uh, and so uh, God bless you all. Let's go and uh, greet one another and make uh, deeper relationships with one another as the body of Christ.